The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is on an adventure today. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here. And that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, we've got a special two-part episode today, folks, if everything works out. And as always, knock on wood, if we do not finally get black bagged, for all of the things we have explored over the past few years. Like uh, Matt, Britney Spears. Matt, like like <laughs> Britney joking. Spears. Or, you know, really, I, I was uh, I was listening back to the uh, Putin episode that we just did recently. And folks, you may have noticed my voice sounded a little bit like it was accompanied by a snare drum effect. That was a tech that was a tech misstep on my end, which the one and only Mission Control was able to save. So if you like that episode, thank him specifically for making it uh, uh, less unlistenable. Well, Paul does that for every episode, for all of us. The, the, <laughs> no, the amount of popped peas that occur in this microphone. I'm so sorry, Paul. Yeah, there's also what, what you're hearing are not our real voices. No. Nope. Uh, you're hearing something run through a filter to remove our... Um, incredibly thick British and Scottish accents. Yes, and the demonic, uh, the the weird demonic tones that come out every once in a while. That's not mm -hmm. our fault. It's just how we were made, guys. Mm -hmm. And props our videographer and uh, YouTube mastermind James. Uh, he goes through in every clip you see, and he he photoshops in these uh, human looking eyes, the, the pupil and the sclera. Yeah, yeah it's uh, rotoscoping <laughs> at the highest levels. See how he's tracking them right now? It's pretty mm -hmm. crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so with that, with those thanks and uh, a few behind-the-scenes secrets, uh, we want to thank you again for joining us in an episode that uh, we, we've always wanted to do. We've done some things about this, around this in the past. Um, but what, what we're going to do today is explore some of the original celebrities of the United States the original heroes and the villains of the country in which we record today's show. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the founding fathers. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
two capital F's, double F's for those guys. Matt, what do you think of when you hear the phrase founding fathers? Mm, I think about the $10 founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, being a self-starter, being a lot smarter. smarter. By 14, they placed him in charge of a trading charter. I don't know. For some reason, that's what happens in my head when I think about that. Every day. Right. Yes. Uh, We're we're alluding, of course, to Hamilton, you know, Um, as a kid. I I naturally always thought of uh, Benjamin Franklin because there aren't a bunch of there there aren't a ton of Benjamins in a lot of office right or in a lot of history books so so I always thought about that guy I had a fascination with him entirely based on the name and you and I found in an earlier. Uh, exploration that he was once suspected of being a serial killer. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah, or at least after the fact, it was an odd thing, right? It was kind of people discovered that there were bones in this in the the basement area of this one house where he lived at one point. Weird stuff. And if you want to know why we're being careful with how they how we phrase that, that's because we have an episode. You should check out if you haven't yet. Was Benjamin Franklin a serial killer? Not going to spoil it for you here. Uh, but he was this was only one weird story about the founding fathers of the United States. So let's let's kick off part one of this episode uh, by answering the basic questions. We can't assume that everybody automatically thinks of Ben Franklin or Alexander Hamilton when they hear that phrase. We have a lot of listeners who are not in the U.S. So uh, so here are the facts. Matt, the founding fathers. What? Who? Yeah. Um, they're not just all older white men with white fake wigs uh, standing around, though some of them uh, did look that way when they were around. It's really the founding fathers is just a term for the group of people that were instrumental in forming what became the United States of America, the country, the the documents that would really just guide what this country would become, uh, the United States, the one in which Ben and Nolan, Paul and I live. And, you know, it's it is it really they're the people who formed the current United States government, really. It's just an evolution from the thing that the seed that they planted and. You know, a lot of historians are going to differ if you look to the writing and the research that's occurred since the 1700s. Um, on the, they're going to def- they're going to differ on the specifics about some of these people, and you really have to think about it this way: you've got all these documents, right? The Declaration of Independence, the the document that declared that the United States was going to be a new thing and separate from from England, mm-hmm. right? Are all of those people who signed that document a a founding father or a founding person? In this case, it is the founding fathers because they were all male. Um, And that's something we can address, but that's the fact of the matter. And, um, you know, that's, that's one set of people. And it's a fairly small number of human beings that actually signed that document, fairly. But then there are a lot of people who were actually there at the 1787 Constitutional Convention because those people were also extremely instrumental in shaping like how you actually put into action the words that are on these documents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. like are, are they all founding fathers? Is it? Yeah. Is it like 50 something people or is it more like seven or eight? Because the lists can vary, you know, and we also have to point out that this this concept or this group term was generated after after the actions that led to the revolution and the formation of the country. So if we wanted to go like MCU style or superhero movie style or even Ocean's Eleven style, let's call it a go. heist. That's pretty good. In many ways, it was a heist. If you ask the people who lived here before the Europeans came uh, – but here's here's what we think of. If we think of that as like an ensemble cast, then we're really looking at less than 10 people, maybe seven or eight people who are sort of the core Avengers of this uh, this weird universe we're building. They're folks like John Adams, uh, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, of course, Matt, I will not let him 
not get the shout out. Uh, John Jay, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, George Washington. Other yeah, these folks, are the people yeah. that were in the room when it happened. <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Happened. For yes. sure. Yes. And um, and they each played as individuals uh, a tremendous role in various aspects of this country's history. But there are other people that sometimes get added to the group, like Paul Revere, one of several people who warned that the British were coming in a midnight ride, or people like George Mason, responsible for the Bill of Rights, uh, played a heavy role in the creation of the Constitution, and then, uh, I believe, refused to sign it. Well, and think of the countless number of humans that fought in the Revolutionary War, who are all fighting for the same thing, ostensibly or essentially, um, the independence of this thing that would become the United States of America. I mean, are are they founding fathers? Like any general or anyone above what would be just considered a soldier, mm-hmm. or even a soldier? I mean, th- but what about <laughs> what about the uh, what about the non dudes who were instrumental yeah. in founding the country? You know what uh, I mean? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you know, it, it is. It's nice to be able to think about it. With seven or eight people, like you said, like the ensemble uh, Marvel version of the founding fathers, because you especially if you're in class, you only have to memorize facts (laughs) about, you know, a few individuals. Um, But, you know, as an ensemble cast, this really is it's way it's way more people who would be considered founding fathers. Uh, unless you're, I guess we're just looking at the intellectual fathers, which I really don't like this terminology. The intellectual, uh, I don't know, creators. I, mm. The George Lucases? I guess so. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, they're the ideators. They're the people who had revolutionary thought and put mm. it into action. And came from, uh, came often from places of privilege such that they could enact those ideals and pursue those ambitions. But what did they do? Well, in short, a lot, a lot of stuff, like tons of Uh, That would be the short answer. They did not always get along, to say the least. Uh, There is a notable duel that most Americans are are aware about now uh, because it it plays a big role in in a musical that uh, the that Paul and Matt and I love. Uh, oh, I don't know. Paul, do you do you like Hamilton? Oh. <laughs> so Paul, uh, Paul, Michigan Troll Deckett just, just told us uh, he has, in fact, never seen uh, nor heard Hamilton. Uh, Paul, I would love to travel up to your neck of the woods when this pandemic is over and go see the show with you. And Matt, I, I don't Whoa. know if you could fit it in your schedule. Would you be down to do that? To actually see it, like, in person? Yeah. You guys, you can get a, a trial of Disney Plus, I think, and, and watch it right now if, if you want to. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Mm-hmm. And it's the original cast. <laughs> yeah, and they, and they uh, do great work with the cameras and the cinematography as well. So it's not just a stationary camera mm-hmm. in a mid, mid-tier seat or something. By the way, in Paul, in New York, you can be a new man, just so you know. You can mm-hmm. be a new man. Mm-hmm. Now I understand man. why none of these references are making any sense to Paul. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Paul just told us, even if he doesn't get it, he can tell it's something from Hamilton, which gives Hamilton the mark of a classic, according to some liter- literary critics. Uh, but, you know, Paul is currently kind of in the eye of a hurricane, culturally, with Hamilton. You know, uh, there's quiet. For a moment. Uh, But this this is true. These folks did a lot of stuff. They did not get along. It's a very diplomatic way to put it. They did not always uh, grow up 100 percent. They had some beef points. uh, And despite their at times profound differences in opinions or motivations, they created the basis for the U.S. They also created the institutions that were meant to propel this nation forward. But if we're being realistic, what they were really trying to do was their level best to stop it from collapsing. Because, you know, like you said, Matt, uh, there's a benefit of retrospect that we have looking back on these folks. And they had a benefit of retrospect looking back on other folks, specifically empires that fell. And they were like, okay, this is what we – 
we need to avoid. And they also had some real chutzpah about this because we have to remember the grand experiment they embarked upon, which continues today, had never been tried in quite this way before. You know, it's like the first person who put potato chips in a sandwich. Do we dare disturb the universe? But that's, a, a that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you know, we got a good sandwich going on here, but really, we need a crunch. Wait a second. <laughs> and then America was formed. And America was formed. But how, like, that's the thing, though. History is a conversation. It's not a series of discrete events occurring in a vacuum. So these folks, regardless of how you feel, I mean, I would say regardless of whether you live in the U.S., their actions affect you today in profound ways. The Constitution and the institutions they created survive in heavily amended forms. Uh, you see their faces on money. That's how you know you made it, man, when, you, when your face is on the money. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. You don't have to be a queen. You could be a founding father. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about is the queen still on the pound? Is that still a thing? I haven't seen a, an actual uh, physical pound in quite a while. Yes. Yes, uh, that is correct, Matt. The queen is on the – definitely on the British coin, on the one pound okay. British coin. Well, also, they, they have, there's an interesting law across the pond about this because upon the death of the current queen, uh, her picture will be removed from the currency. Really? And then the king, yeah. the king goes on there just to, or if that's what actually happens. That's what oh, yeah. We're think it, Yeah. If there's a successful, you know, peaceful transfer of power, which is never a given, then uh, whomever becomes the monarch gets their face on the money. At least maybe. I mean, things can change pretty quickly. The, the current queen has been the current queen for quite a long time. Uh, but that's monarchies are going to play a big part in today's episode. Uh, for many years, the founding fathers were somewhat deified, right? And you, if you are of a certain age, you remember the history books with these fantastic paintings of these uh, bewigged, bestockinged men who were, you know, like politely and studiously agreeing to something that everybody thought was a great idea and everybody was uh, happy about. That remains true to a degree today, and it's unfair to the actual people, not to mention the students learning this. Modern historians are a little bit more accurate about the problematic nature of some of these founders and also those um, somewhat airbrushed stories we hear Many parts of them are true, but they are often not the story entire. So today, that is what we are tackling. You see, fellow conspiracy realists, these uh, founding fathers had a ton of acknowledged successes, but they also had a ton of secrets. Mm. Some, yeah, yeah, some are more well known than others, and and some of the truest ones are the strangest ones and the ones that you should bother you the most. So we're going to pause for a moment for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive in. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. So we're talking about the secrets of the founding fathers, the acknowledged and unacknowledged things that kind of sully the pristine reputations that many of us, including Ben and myself, grew up with when we we read about or talked about the founding fathers of the United States. And the first one, it should be pretty obvious to everyone here, and that is slavery. Yeah. And really, all you have to think about are the words that were in the Declaration of Independence, the words that were in the Constitution, and then how do you square all of that knowing that chattel slavery was very much a thing when the United States was founded, and it continued on for a long time afterwards. Right. There's not a good analog for this because this is the enslavement of human beings by the people who said that human beings should be free. So just a one piece, uh, a snapshot of the hypocrisy there is imagine that you have uh, passed – it's like any it's, – it's like any vice law. Imagine you have passed a law where you say, OK, no one in the kingdom of Polandia or in the Decant Republic uh, can drink, uh, drink booze or, uh, I, I don't know, do quaaludes or something. And, and while, they're ma- while, while the rulers of Polandia are making this law, they're off their gills on booze and pills, and they're still making these laws. There's the, the, the hypocrisy is – hypocrisy doesn't even describe how profoundly messed up this is. Uh, to be fair, not all founding fathers – owned slaves. One founding father, notably George Washington, owned slaves and later went on to manumit or free some of these, again, human beings. But other people like James Madison owned slaves, didn't really seem soups conflicted about it <laughs> they, because they, when they said all men are created equal, it, it is uh, misleading to not point out that several of those folks in that room where it happened did not think of all human beings as human beings. So to them, this is more of a livestock situation. You know, we're, we'll talk about a lot of the other stuff, but the, the yeah, uh, not all human beings are created equal based on their skin as well as based on their gender. And that is another major thing that, you know, just has to be addressed. It does say all men in there. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't, 
I can't go back and talk to James Madison or any of these other people and say, well, did you meant all human beings or because it really does feel like the way the laws are being set up where you have to be um, male and own property and some of these things. It feels like you're being specific as hell here. Uh, <laughs> right. And, take a take a page from Putin. Write it like any former Russian president, whoever yeah. they might be. And, you know, we're talking about these founding fathers there's one that you've probably heard a lot about uh, with ref- with reference to how he treated his slaves in very specific ways, uh, Mr. Thomas Jefferson. Uh, yes, Thomas Jefferson. I've got a I've got a quotation you might enjoy here. Uh, people loved his peers. A lot of them loved Thomas Jefferson. He definitely had some fans. He definitely had some enemies, obviously. Uh, but there's a quote from John Quincy Adams uh, in his diary in 1785. He writes, spent the evening with Mr. Jefferson, whom I love to be with. You can never be an hour in this man's company without something of the marvelous. Abigail Adams also described Jefferson as one of the choice ones of the earth. He was wealthy. He was well-educated. He was a tremendous hypocrite uh, because, you see, he had a longstanding intimate relationship with one Sally Hemings, who was at the time, enslaved on his estate. And if you have listened to any work on ethics or the nature of informed consent, you know that consent is impossible in that situation. Uh, For a long time, the Jefferson estate and some other interested parties fought against this story and said it was just a rumor or besmirching the character of a man who was so tremendously influential in this country's early history until the advent of DNA testing, at which point there was a very mu- there was very much a you are the father moment uh, with the descendants of Hemings and Jefferson. So he, he wrote prolifically uh, about a lot of noble ideas, a lot of vaunt- like lofty, beautiful things. Shinoi didn't write about Matt. He didn't write about uh, the, the mother of several of his children. Uh, yeah, when Sally, Sally Hemings didn't make it into a lot of that and to a lot of the ink there. You know, it's really unfortunate. We just to continue on slavery for a moment. We have spoken in the past about large civilizations and anytime there are um, significant movements and, and increases in like, let's say a city and then expansion of, of you know, an empire or something. Slavery very often over the course of history has played a crucial role in doing those things because they, there are very few individuals who are the intellectuals pushing forward on what should happen, but then you need lots and lots and lots of manpower to do extremely difficult, grueling, a lot of times fatal work. And, you know, this is the case of the forming of the United States and the expansion, you know, westward, as well as just the expansion in general of cities and places to hold enough people as, as the United States grew. And it is really like, it's, it's messed up to think about that, to think that it, you, you know, it's very difficult to pay everybody a great, a great wage and to, you know, keep everybody happy while you're, you're doing the kind of things that they are doing. And it's a really troubling thing to think about. And my five-year-old son is, is here. I bought my son these mini A&W root beers because he tried, I, I had one a while ago mm-hmm. and I hate to put a brand out there, but I tried one a little while ago and he wanted to take a sip and he thought it was the best thing he ever. He likes root beer? Yeah, so now he's brought he's bringing in a mini A and W root beer. So hey, if you guys want to give us a sponsorship, A uh, and W root beer, <laughs> mini mini cans, uh, they're delicious. Mm-hmm. It's uh, made with aged vanilla and no caffeine. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. You know, whenever I get a uh, whenever I run into root beer in the wild from now on, I am going to give it to your kid or to you because <laughs> no. I can't abide root beer, man. It's too many. Too many things going on. Oh yeah, yeah, man. That's it's crazy. That's a that's a very. I, I, 
I don't really understand root beer. I don't understand a lot of things, but uh, but uh, yeah, if you're, you're a fan of that, what well, is okay? What is root beer? Uh, root root beer is oh, what I just lost the word for it. What it actually is. Um, what's the what's the actual root that's in there, Paul? I is it sarsaparilla? Sarsaparilla was what sassafras. It, I think it's sarsaparilla, and that's a type like an early version of root beer, and then it became something else. Um, and it's been made since the colonial era. Yes, yes. Again, I know we've got a lot of root beer fans in the audience. It fits with the today's show because it is a very much a North American drink. Um, but maybe I'm just, I, yeah, it just doesn't click with me. I mean, but there are a lot of things I just don't get. You can't be, everything can't be for everyone, right? That, that makes sense. I understand. Which is what Jefferson must have thought, segue, when he lay awake at night wondering about uh, his rank hypocrisy, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's it. I'm sure it just gave him nightmares. <laughs> well, here's the thing. is interesting part, Matt. So Sally Hemings worked as a maid in the Jefferson household for two and a half years in Paris. And when she was in Paris, France, that meant she was free. So while she was free, the story goes, she negotiated with Jefferson and said, not only will I return with you to Monticello, but I will return to enslavement in exchange for uh, extraordinary privileges, as they were called, for herself and freedom for her children, her unborn children. And so decades later, Jefferson did free all of Hemings' children. Well, that's nice. (laughs) Is it? Because he didn't do that for any other family unit of people he enslaved. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'm saying that that is one act that could be considered good. And so there we go. I mean, I know it's a little depressing, but yes, uh, yes, slavery. A lot of founding fathers were totally into it uh, because, to your point, Matt, it was seen as an economic necessity, right? No matter how else they dressed it up. And now we're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, uh, who I don't think is Illumination Global Unlimited, but you never know. And then we'll be back uh, to explore something that we've we touched on a little bit in the past. It's something that was probably on all of our minds as soon as we saw the title of this episode. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts season two of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more 
while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Okay, everyone. If you live in the United States or many other parts of the world, you may have been driving around in your local town. Maybe early on when you started driving or when you really started noticing things out the window as a kid. And you probably saw a couple buildings, maybe one building in your small town, wherever you live, that had kind of a strange symbol on it. You're not really sure what it is. It's definitely a symbol, though. And there's not a lot of words on it, except for this one. And it's Mason, or Freemason, or Freemasonry. And maybe that led you down a curious path for the rest of your life, trying to figure out what that was and what it is and what kind of control it has over you and the surrounding world. And then you realized one day, uh, I'm speaking about myself in all of this, by the way, you realize, oh, wait, does this have anything to do with the founding of this country, of the United States of America? Well, I love, I love this setup. <laughs> well, yes. I'm really going on a long walk here. But yes, yes, it does. Because many of the founding fathers that we've been speaking about this, this whole episode were in fact Freemasons or, or members of the Free and Accepted Masons or what, some version of the Scottish Rite or some other sect within uh, Masonry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, shout, shout out to you, Benny F., uh, James Monroe, George Washington, uh, many more. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is just, these are facts. Uh, longtime listeners or anybody who enjoys our YouTube page, you may recall the time that Matt and I traveled to D.C. to check out some of the theories or the claims for ourselves, And we found that there were, there were a lot of things that at least had the germ of truth, right? Like if a conspiracy theory is a pearl, then there is a grain of sand that this pearl grew around. So one of the weirdest examples would probably be the Washington Monument. I think the, the, I hope you didn't get tired of me saying it when we were up there, Matt, but one of the things that kept blowing my mind is like, who goes immediately to an obelisk? They're like, "What what do you think of you know, they're pitching ideas and they're like, what do you think of when you think of George Washington? And then there's like silence in the room and yeah. I don't know, it's raises, just, it's, oh God, it's just, it just keeps going. <laughs> somebody raises their hand like that. And they're like, you have a question? And they're like, no, no, I'm doing this. Is, this build this. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, what we learned when we made that video is that the, the obelisk was not the first thing they thought about when they were going to create that monument. They were going for a bit of a pantheon situation early uh, with all of the founding fathers essentially enshrined in stone together in this one thing that they were going to call the Washington Monument. It was a bit of an odd idea. It could have been cool. It's kind of reminiscent if you've ever seen the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. If It's reminiscent of that when you imagine uh, a single founding father like Lincoln in stone just there as, you know, an embodiment of that character, really not so much the man, but the character from history of, of one of these founding fathers. And just imagine that in a a big circle, (laughs) like giant stone versions of the founding fathers in a big circle out in the middle of the, of the national mall there. That's what it could have been, but it was not, it it was an obelisk instead. Yeah. Due to, 
budgetary constraints yeah. mainly, uh, which is, you know, something that's common in government. But it looks it looks neat. It's clearly Greco-Roman inspired. It's, it's – we should emphasize though the original design still did have an obelisk. So whomever was in that room pitching these designs was definitely – like they were obelisk oriented to begin with. But the other stuff we saw did prove that the ideals and values of masonry would have been common knowledge to the founders of this country. This stuff is proven. It only really verges into conspiracy when we explore the degree to which people claim Masonic membership may have, may or may not have influenced the formation of the United States. And the truth is probably best put this way. Did individual Freemasons play a role in the revolution and the creation of the states? Absolutely. Clearly. But masonry as an institution was not some vast uh, secret society to go with the superhero comparison. It's not as if uh, Ben Franklin and George Washington were shaking hands and leaning in and going, Hail Hydra. You know what I mean? But they could have been doing secret handshakes. Oh, they were definitely. Yeah, no, the handshakes are like one of the funnest parts. You can't skip the handshakes. But but doesn't that. Just knowing that, doesn't that feel a little weird? Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm blind. Maybe I've got a blind spot here. No, no, I, I, I you know, and I'm, I, I completely understand what you're saying, Ben, and you're correct. It's just at the same time, I, I don't know. Uh, it gives me this weird feeling, knowing mm. knowing that a lot of the people who decided to go in this very divergent route from the way history was going from, you know, breaking out from their place. I'm doing quotations here Mm -hmm. in the world and Mm -hmm. having this revolution, this revolutionary set of ideas and ideals. This group of people were also a part of this club that has, you know, it, it puts forward a lot of values that feel similar. I would just say, (laughs) Uh, yeah, that's the thing, though. That's what makes this so tantalizing, right? It's it's got that it's got that umami, uh, and also look at the French Revolution. It's it's a little it's a little oversimplistic to say that uh, the French Revolution was entirely the result of Freemasonry, but there were Freemasons who, again, as individuals, were active in 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 profoundly influencing society. You know, so this is the thing. The Founding Fathers were not a Masonic cabal by any means. Thomas Jefferson, not a Freemason. Alexander Hamilton, not a Freemason. Would have made it into the musical, I'm sure. Yeah, Alexander but- <laughs> Hamilton, not a Freemason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there it is. That's the one. It's probably on the uh, Hamilton mixtape. But, uh, but, but when we think about this, so one thing that we've been really grateful for as a show is that we have had a lot of our fellow listeners write in to us who are active members of a lodge or were uh, masons for some time. And the feedback we got to that one question, which is like, what do you, what do you have to do to get kicked out? Uh, was act- it was very reasonable. <laughs> and, and this the reason I'm saying this is that we have to understand, back in this time and era, uh, Masonry was maybe the the ideals, the goals of Masonry were things that the founding fathers would have already been down with, you know. And and some of the people who are described as uh, founding fathers or influential actors in the revolution, some of those who are described as being Masons also, that's a little misleading because several of them did not – go on to join Freemasonry until well after the revolution. So they weren't part of some conspiracy, but that's, that's the thing. Okay. So Masonry holds values that founding fathers themselves already were super down with self-determination, the right for groups of people to peaceably assemble freedom of the press. And of course the controversial one, freedom of religion, believe what you want. These are all incredibly radical ideas. They are anathema 
to the governing structures of continental Europe, uh, you could say that monarchies were anti-Masonic because the values of Masonry threatened their own very real pre-existing conspiracy, which is how to control people. Ooh. And keep yourself at the top, right? Yeah, top-down control versus control by the of the individual uh, or control control of the group by the individuals within the group. I don't know, it's fa- fascinating stuff when you really start to break down I like exactly what that means to have a re- republic or a democratic republic versus um, a monarchy. But doesn't all that stuff sound like the the Bill of Rights, Ben? <laughs> right. Right. And uh, liberty, equality, and so on. Yeah, yeah, they, they have a lot in common. You know what I mean? And I, is it do at what point does inspiration become plagiarism? That's another question. But but I want to go into the the concept here of monarchy seen as a conspiracy, and why why monarchies were uh, often in several countries in continental Europe against the propagation or the existence of masonry. So monarchies did something uh, incredibly clever, just objectively clever. They said, look, we have to convince a group of people that vastly outnumbers us that we are deserving of our privileged position. If we are the be-all, end-all authority, then, of course, someone else will eventually want to topple us, and they'll ask why. So let's not be quite the top. Let's be kind of the middle management. Let's like let's think of Earth or our country as like a, a call center, right? Or, <laughs> or cubicles. <laughs> and we're in charge of the call center. We're the boss of the earthly things. But we're only the boss because the real boss is God. And the real boss will get mad at you if you don't do what we say. So they did like this really clever middle management thing before that was really middle management. And um, that's interesting to think about it that way. And then, you you know, you have to it doesn't matter if you physically outnumber this privileged class, because what really matters is that when you die, no matter how you die, you will have to talk to the boss's boss. And if the boss's boss finds out you weren't good to your supervisor, then you'll be in trouble forever. That's crazy. I thought it was very clever. No, it's extremely clever. No, I I didn't mean to discount by using the C word there. I I just, uh, it's a thought I haven't had before. Um, Using God as, you know, whether you believe it or not, as the, as the, your boss as the boss that is god that's fascinating well okay okay i'll go with you there and i think that's really clever if that's really what it was for and again that's the way it feels right uh looking back from forty thousand feet the way we can now um it feels as though a monarchy if even if it wasn't purposefully done in a conspiratorial way to convince the masses that they're that you know the monarchy's power was real and worth it and not worth fighting against because of God, even if that even if that wasn't a conspiracy to get you to believe that they still really did use it effectively in that way, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, any mm-hmm. any and all monarchies or you know supreme leaders of any sort. Yeah, I mean because like the the closest modern evolution or analog we would have to something like that would be an oligarchy or a technocracy, right? But the the thing with the monarch the, – the system of monarchy is that a spiritual belief as a control mechanism doesn't really require the people profiting from that belief to believe in it themselves, you know? Um, and that's not to say these folks exactly – I love your point because we're not saying that these folks were intentionally and cynically doing this. You know, um, if you are – if you were born into a system that teaches you that you're better than other people and you're supposed to be better than other people, psychology proves you have a very high likelihood of just accepting that. It makes sense. You know what I mean? I always think about that Monopoly study. Right. Remember that? Yeah, one? I do. I do remember that when you're winning, it feels like you 
you did all this stuff to win. You deserve it all because you're working really hard and you're doing great. And the more, the, the more uh, wealthy you are and better off you are, the more you feel like you deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yep. To our, our earlier work on, was, we just phrased it as a very simple question. Just Does being, being wealthy <laughs> make you a horrible person or something like that? <laughs> yes. And the answer is it makes it easy to be a horrible person for sure. Uh, just for background on that real quick, the experiment which was conducted at UC Berkeley as a series of experiments uh, involved having people play rigged games of Monopoly. Monopoly is already a broken version of something called the landlord game, right? The landlord's game, mind you. Uh, so randomly, that's, just, that's just where you collect rent from everybody and you make all the money, right? It's uh, it's <laughs> the original version of Monopoly that had a third round that was all about teaching people the dangers of un uh, of unrestrained capitalism, right? And so, so when it was stolen from the lady who invented it, uh, the business that propagated it just removed that last round. <laughs> and so, and you don't so learn anything now. It's just right. <laughs> you win, right? Exactly. Uh, so, Monopoly. Here's how the experiment went. It would have groups of people, random people who didn't really know each other, playing games of Monopoly together. And one randomly chosen player in a game would be given some advantages. Twice as much money to start out with, more than two dice to roll with, uh, more access to resources. So you'd get more bonus points for passing go. Instead of $200, you'd get like $400 or $500 or something. And the goal was to study how people behaved in these games. Here's what they found. They found that naturally most people who got these, uh, these, these cheat codes early on, they won. They won the game. It, was, it would be difficult for them to lose the game. And the weird part is when they asked these people after the game, they asked them, hey, why do you think you won? Do you think it had anything to do with the way the game was rigged in your favor? They said, well, you know, maybe that had a little bit to do with it. Maybe it had a little bit to do with it. But uh, turns out I'm an expert at Monopoly. I am just super, super good at it. And I've played it before. And this is just my experience. You know what I mean? The game is the game. I don't, I don't make the rules. Uh, Park Place just landed in my lap. It's not my fault. I mean, I just mm-hmm. got there pretty easily, yeah. and I had the funds. Why don't Why don't these other people just not be poor at the beginning of the game? That's what I would have done. That's like that's uh, that's literally the reasoning. This is a very interesting study. I know we're getting off topic, but we're saying the same kind of psychology applies. And so, if you are in a situation, this is of course look. Members of monarchies are not necessarily bad people. They're humans, just like anybody else, for the most part. And, of course, they're going to be threatened by something, any kind of organization that proposes to change the status quo, if the status quo is profitable for them. That just makes sense. Uh, so that's why that's why masonry was being attacked. We have to remember that the idea of attacking groups that were a little more secular or uh, addressed religion and spirituality in a different way. They were being attacked, sure, because it was seen as sort of a, a, a heretical stance, but it was a heretical stance because it was threatening the economic benefit of the people who profited from that co- current concept of God. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. I'm trying to think of it on the individual level, though. And it totally does make sense what you're saying, Ben, where there is there's a reason for the status quo to fight back against something like Freemasonry. But, you know, on the religious side, I think the individual person is going to also fight back against it for that heretical stance or or from that heretical stance because it's different. Right. And anytime you've got something that is different outside of the normal uh, or what is considered to be normal, you're going to have some kind of initial reaction, at least, of aversion to it. Because it's, you know, 
that's not what we're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to do that. Why do you get to do that? And and why, why are you doing that? Um, I just think that's also very human and natural. Um, in, in this case, when we're talking about Freemasonry in any secret society or any club, private club for that matter, there is this thing that comes along with it, which is connection, which is socializing, which is having that secret handshake together that we were talking about, which is, you know, even if we're just talking about Congress or, you know, people who are trying to, to form a Congress or a new country or something, if you are able to go up to that person and have that secret handshake to let them know, oh, we have shared common values. We, you know, know a lot of the same people. I can probably make another connection for you, or we can make these other connections um, and get things done. Really, that's what it means. I can go directly to someone who is also probably wealthy and influential, just like you can, and we can together gather enough forces, enough people, enough intellectual and wealth power to to take action. Um, and that's why it feels like Freemasonry played a perhaps bigger part in the formation of the United States than it did, even though it did play a part. It did. Yeah. And I, I think that's very well put. Um, also, I'm a little biased because I have, I have some fairly strong opinions about the dangers of nepotism, it's, um, which, you know, we've talked about in previous episodes. But one thing you say that really caught my attention, Matt, is the idea of of society, of communication, you know, a lot of people love that, right? Uh, we have to remember these folks existed in a time before social media. Your dank memes page is, in a way, a lodge. You meet with people, you communicate in a language that you and your fellows have evolved and understand, and you have a common currency of what you consider to be good ideas, right? Or funny memes, I guess. Look, nobody go too deep into this comparison. I'm not saying I'm not saying that the founding fathers would have just sat around on meme pages if Facebook or uh, Reddit was around at the time. But this gave them a place to hang out and chat. So it's they're not they're not completely that different. And then you know, are the values of masonry as they're espoused? Are they bad? Is there anyone who's going to read something like that and say, "Well, I don't want." I don't want people to assemble in groups peacefully. It should only be violent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you get together, it's got, there's got to be pitchforks involved. Um, right. to, to me, it's it's very akin to LinkedIn or something, um, mm-hmm. where it really is about having that close connection to somebody in a completely different field, in an industry, who is also maybe a captain of that industry, that you 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 essentially have at your disposal – a bunch of levers of influence that you can pull just because of your association in that group, um, which isn't necessarily how it's always used, but it's a, it's the potential is there. And again, we want to point out modern masonry does tremendous charitable work. Yeah. Like they, they are literally saving people's lives. So all, that's... all of these clubs do Kiwanis mm. club, all, all of these that where you have to become a member and, and you join mm. for one reason or another Sam's all, club. <laughs> won't let you in without a membership <laughs> <laughs> also doing doing tremendous work sam's club uh no but but really I mean, there's there's no denying the good that a lot of these groups do mm-hmm. but but there's also no denying the uh, you know and i'm sorry to anyone who is a uh member of the masons right now or any of these other clubs there is a creepy factor for anyone outside of the club just because of the secrecy involved. And we've talked about that numerous times on this show, and it will always be that way as long as there's secrecy involved in, in joining and what happens uh, behind the doors. Yeah, yeah. The room where it happens. Without transparency, speculation thrives. And, and there are a lot of commonalities. It would, be, it would be naive to... Actually, it wouldn't even be naive. It would be dishonest. So look at the values proposed by the founding fathers and the values espoused by masonry and say that there was zero overlap. I would just be that's a that's a shell game. But off the bat, we we're reaching the end of part one of our secrets of the founding fathers. And off the bat, so far, 
we just talked about two absolutely true, incredibly crazy, somewhat disturbing aspects of this group. Tune in for our follow-up episode later this week where we dive into even stranger seas. Uh, we spill the tea? Don't! Don't spill the tea! <laughs> it took a long time to, for that to steep. My, I can hear my dog in the background as well. Wow, just lots of things happening in my background today. Um, and we very much look forward to hearing what you out there have to say about this, what you think about everything we've discussed in today's episode. And we also, uh, you know, hope you'll hang in there for next week when we go deeper and deeper into this sea, as Ben put it, of conspiracy. Oh, oh. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> okay. Um, uh this is really weird stuff, though, so so do tune in. And as Matt said, uh, let us know what you think. You can find us all over the place, you know, crossroads at midnight, say the right words into a mirror in the dark, or find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, or Instagram, you know, whichever of those is easiest for you. I've got a great page called Here's Where It Gets Crazy, uh, where you can hang out with the best part of this show, our fellow listeners. If you hate sipping the social meads, if it's if it's too, if social media itself is too much of a conspiracy for you, then we have another way you can contact us. That's correct. I've never been a big fan of the social meads. I always feel like it's too sweet. It's just not. It doesn't really. It's not the same. You, uh, you're not a you're not a ice sweet meads guy. You're more mm. of a unsweet meads. <laughs> unsweet social meads. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm down with the unsweet social meds, but also all the honey involved and you know mm-hmm. anytime you're gonna make an alcoholic beverage out of honey i don't know i just let's not do it you're a root uh, beer guy this has been established there we go <laughs> sarsaparilla all day uh, or whatever the stuff is that you make root beer out of uh yeah you you can call us we have a number it is 1-833-STDWYTK you will hear ben and then he will say Here's where it gets crazy. And then you can leave your message. And when you leave that message, please tell us whether or not you're okay with us using that message in one of our listener mail episodes. And uh, make sure you tell us if we can use your name or not. Just your first name generally is probably the right way to go. Um, if you've got a nickname that we think is cool, then we'll we'll, we'll give you a shout out for it. Oh, uh, yeah. don't, don't be afraid to get weird with it. My favorite one still is our our trucker friend who was just howling with laughter as he was asking us these questions. Dude, if you are out there, thank you. I still, yes. like, I regularly listen to that one. Yeah, he's got a couple now that, that we've got, and they're, they're wonderful. So, yeah, thank you. Please continue to do that. If you want to become a character that leaves messages on a frequent basis, that's fun, too. We're into it. <laughs> and if none of that quite uh, founds your fathers then we have one other way you can always contact us regardless of time, space, or place that is our email address where we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. 
With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.